Right, Josh. Right, yeah, Where are we go. going? Let's do this. We're going outside. Garbage to truck is coming. The garbage truck is coming. Yeah. I got. But I got my garbage right here. Down the stairs? Let's take the stairs, yeah. People are probably wondering, why are we recording you taking the garbage out? Uh, but I guess it'll become clear in a few minutes. It will, yeah. So there's a little tradition that happens here. and Is it just Taipei? Uh, it's everywhere on the island, as far as I'm aware. Oh, okay. The garbage truck drives down the street very slowly. And then it's up to everybody to grab their uh, garbage bag, run out, and catch the garbage truck. So that's what we're doing here. Here we go, first floor, this is it. So we're hearing in the distance, it's not an ice cream truck, but no, it's, definitely it's, not an ice cream truck. <laughs> it's in fact the garbage truck. It plays a little melody. All right, better go. Successful deposit. Yeah. We got that garbage <laughs> dumped. <laughs> I'm back in Taiwan and I'm here with Josh Wilson again. Hi! Yeah, so this is part two of Composer Quest tour in Taiwan. Right. And we're about to go interview someone. Right. We're on our way into uh, the city to meet Sharky Chen, who's a, uh, a punk rock singer-songwriter. Cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I actually I haven't maybe... seen her in a, in, in a little while, so... Oh, all yeah. right. Well, maybe you'll have to be part of the interview, too, because she only has a few songs that I've gotten a chance to listen to. Yeah, yeah. Because she has a new, totally new project coming up. Right, she's working on a solo project, and she told me she's got a demo, so I'm eager to hear what that sounds like. Yeah. All right, now we wait for the bus into Taipei. Right. seconds after we recorded that okay you yeah. got a message got a message it says hey we haven't decided the time yet i got some work to do now so can we meet at six is that okay and by, by the way we've got another interview coming up later this afternoon yeah so that would be problematic time, so. oh man oh no another mistranslation no oh, just look. afternoon look there's a record of the conversation right there she said saturday noon uh, oh man well what do we do? Yeah, that's the question, isn't it? Um, later tonight? That might not work, unless you're willing to go by yourself without me. I could. I could do that. Okay. So I'm writing, if you're free tonight at uh, 8.30 or 9, I can, send, I can send Charlie by himself? Yeah. Well, people are seeing the inner workings of the podcast right now. <laughs> well, at, at least they're, they're hearing me t- uh, tap furiously on my phone. 
Yeah. The past two days have been tough for scheduling. <laughs> but that's alright. I've lucked out completely prior to this, so it's probably only only a matter of time before things would start getting messed up. And I guess I should point I out could... we are already on the bus. So So we're just getting farther and farther away. Yeah. If 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 this schedule is gonna change, I don't know, do you wanna go to Taipei anyway with nothing to do? Sure. Okay. If you're up for it, we could just wander and find something cool to do. Uh, I, I guess so. <laughs> oh, good, okay, so 8.30 or 9 o'clock. Okay, cool. Um, Alright, so we got the interview scheduled. We brought it back Again. from the dead. Yeah. So, yeah, where were we? Oh, right, I'm here with Charlie McCarran of ComposerQuest.com. I probably don't need to say that by now, do I? No, most people probably can just Google. Yeah. But that's all right. <laughs> Our 12 o'clock uh, interview got pushed uh, into the evening. So now here we are in, in Taipei with like nothing going on. And uh, so we decided to get out and wander around. I suggested there's this cool temple. I have no idea if we're going to find anything music related here. Yeah. But we can wander around. We'll try it. Yeah. yeah. So, Josh, on the bus ride, we were kind of reminiscing about Composer Quest episodes. Yeah, yeah. I, like, it's, um, it's, it's a shame that I'm not going to get in that, that in my podcast feed anymore because there's uh, so many interesting people that, that, that we've heard on the show and then so many more interesting people that uh, we, we wish we had heard on the show. Yeah. And hopefully they'll be interviewed on other podcasts like Level with Emily Reese right. and other ones. Song There's Exploder. Like Song Exploder. Yeah. Garrett Hope has a classical-focused podcast. Uh, yeah, what's, the, what's the name the of that one? The Portfolio Composer. It changed since I interviewed him. It was Composer on Fire. Now it's Portfolio Composer. Okay. There's Art of Composing. John Brantingham does that one. But... I'm hoping that other interested podcasters will also... Oh, cool. Alright. So, yeah, we are Yeah, yeah. a this, very cool temple this, right this now. Is a, this is a temple. Aside from being, like, a place where tourists go, it's also, like, people in the neighborhood use this as a temple, I guess. So. But camera crews are welcome here. I have no idea. I haven't uh, haven't tried this uh, with the camera here before. Let's find out if uh, you know if, if we get kicked out. Uh. All right. So, Josh, one thing that um, was cool about your show, um, at one point you went on a search to find a fortune cookie because uh, I challenged you to the fortune cookie songwriting challenge. Right. And surprisingly, they're very hard to find in Taiwan. Yeah, fortune cookies are not really a Chinese thing at all. It's just an Americanized yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, I had to go to uh, a shop that does, like a, a confection shop to find them. Yeah. And uh, I ended up with some Christmas-themed fortune cookies. 
but in the meantime, you stopped at one of these temples. Yeah. And you're kind of explaining a little bit about, like, the culture of these temples, but, yeah, what what's the deal with, like, what's going on here? Okay, well, I, at, at that time, I had the benefit of my lo- local friend who could, who could uh, fill me in on that stuff. But uh, there's, there's lots of things going on here. One thing is like a bridal, like a, a pre-wedding photo shoot over there, which has nothing to do with temple stuff at all. There's that. There's also a tour group going through here. Let's listen in on the tour group, shall we? How's your Chinese, Charlie? Terrible. Uh, me too. I can't imagine like all this happening at a, like, Christian church in the U.S. No, no. Like, I don't think us coming in with, like, recording equipment would be welcomed. <laughs> no, probably not. Yeah, for, for one thing, this, this, uh, places like this are, are generally open at all hours of the day. So uh, no matter what time you show up, like, you can, you can like, wander in and, 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 you know, see stuff. And, uh, like, I, 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 I'm, I'm, just, I'm totally distracted by this, by the way. They're they're, they're they're taking a ride to be yeah, yeah with very long fabric coming off of her and they're just kind of like mm-hmm. two people are just taking those pieces of fabric and just waving them in the yeah yeah so the photographer can get a nice shot and then boy here's here's this poor uh, I don't know must be the groom wearing a wearing a nice suit he's probably burning up because it's really hot out here yeah is this a taiko drum that's hanging up here. It looks like it, yeah. And a big bell over there, maybe? We could bang on that, and that would probably be a good way to get kicked out. Yeah, I'm kind of... I'm not, I'm not going to do that. You're welcome to if no, you want that, to. That's good. So, what do you think this area is? Just a prayer room sort of thing? I, I think so, yeah, it looks like it. Before I got distracted by that temple, yeah, yeah, we were just talking about other podcasts, but um, you mentioned some interviews you were curious about that oh, I yeah. did. Mostly along the lines of how in the world did you get uh, that guy to do, to do your podcast? Like, Earlier this season, you talked to Kevin McLeod, the guy who does, uh, who, who, who gives away his music for free on the internet. And then I think everybody who's on the internet has heard that music, whether they know it or not. It's all over the podcast uh, scene. It's all over YouTube. It's just everywhere you look because he, he, he gives away royalty-free music. Yeah. So how did you find that guy? Well... His site is very easy to find because if you just search for royalty-free music, he's at the very top. So I just thought, well, I'll just give it a shot. He probably gets a ton of emails. But I think, yeah, he just got back to me. and It was so cool because it turned out that the next interview... Or no, what was no, it? The, the previous, previous interview, interview was the guys from New the, York. at the, the casino composer yeah. guys. And they had lived with Kevin and they knew him, like, super well. So, yeah. My question chain for them worked out really well. <laughs> Small world, eh? Yeah. Uh, any other secrets you're dying to know about Composer Quest? Um, well, I, I asked on the way over here, how do you handle your, your bookings? Like, I imagine, 
a, a horde of secretaries sitting in a windowless office just making phone calls and responding to emails <laughs> all the time to get you the people. But you said you're, you're a one-man show? Yeah. Yep, one-man show. And when I'm only doing one interview a week, it's not too bad. I usually can think of think up someone who I might want to talk to who has, like, a cool perspective and then email them and, like... I'd say my success rate after emailing people is, like, better than 50%. Yeah? Closer to, like, 80% response rate from people. So, granted, I haven't asked, like, huge names, usually. Mm. Uh, but, you know, the, on occasion, like, I, I emailed John Williams's people, and they responded. But he's too busy for interviews. Oh, of course. Surprise, surprise. Uh, but okay. What about, have you tried Eric Whitaker? He seems like a cool guy. I never have, actually. But it's, <laughs> it's too late now. Shucks. Too late now. My tour is already on its, on its way. Getting close to the end of the tour, actually. Because um, on Monday I'll be heading to L.A. again. Yeah. And uh, going around California and then out to Phoenix and then flying back to Minnesota, so it'll be a nice end to the podcast. I'm, as much fun as I've had here, I'm like kind of excited to go back to the U.S. Yeah. Um, it'll be nice to be able to speak with pretty much anybody <laughs> again. <laughs> Although it's kind of funny, because like, I was just in Okinawa, mm-hmm. and when I came back here, I had the feeling of like, this feels like comfortable again, which is weird, because Taipei is so foreign to me. And you were only here for, what, not even a week? Yeah, like five, six days. Yeah, it's really fun, like, learning a language. I, I tried doing a little bit of, like, listening to Chinese, and, um, Ni hao? Yeah. <laughs> See, I at least know how to say hello. Yeah. But but I basically just said hello and thank you. That's what I learned in Chinese. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, hey, we sure. Get your picture taken. All right. <laughs> Where are you from? Hey, smile real pretty. Uh, Where are you from? Uh, oh, uh, USA. USA. Yeah. I'm from Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. Good. Where yeah. Uh, have you been to? Yes. You? Because I'm a businessman, I always been to uh, United States. Oh. Europe. Yeah. Okay. So We're, why you come to here to have a side report? Uh, well, I am here like interviewing mountain. like mu- musicians, composers, yes. songwriters. So you, you know this temple is the only one temple in Taiwan who got the UNESCO. Do you know the UNESCO? UNESCO? Yeah. I'm it, not sure. But I can show you. It, it is very important for you. Oh, okay. May I show you? Sure. Yeah. Just, uh, Let's, sure. Five minutes. I can just show you. Okay. What's your name? My name is Tony Su. Tony Su. Yeah. Nice I am volunteer at this temple. Oh. Uh, so you already uh, visit many temples in Taiwan, in Taipei? Yeah, I, I've been to a couple. One was, I'm, I'm forgetting the names, but it was but near maybe, a night, maybe, uh, night market. Long, Longsan Temple, Longsan Si. Mm, I think so. it was Longsan very temple. tall, uh, like five stories tall. Yeah. Um, Do you know UNESCO? Oh, okay, yeah. What does that stand for? United Nations yes. something. Yeah. UNESCO. Asia Pacific Heritage Awards. I, I just want to tell you, 
this is the only one temple in Taiwan who got UNESCO. Cool. UNESCO. Yeah, it's like, it says honorable mention. Yeah, UNESCO means uh, this temple should be uh, very old. Oh, this yeah. temple was uh, complete in uh, 1805. Oh, it already wow. 200 years. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, I just cool. want to show you this, sure. this temple. Uh. So how about, what do you go to the U.S. for, for business? We're, like, uh, what kind of business? Cement. Oh. Cement business and uh, computer, semiconductor. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, I, I don't want to disturb you too oh, much. Oh, no, that's okay. Sorry. It's fun to talk with you. Okay. So, uh, how about... If you don't mind my asking, we were curious about the, the bells and the drums, and we hear bells over there. Uh, could, could, could you tell us about uh, that, by any chance? Yeah. I mean, history? Uh, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know if, when uh, we got the... But, but it's not so old. If you want to find the old one, you can go there. Oh. There's an old bell oh, old there? Bell, yeah, old bell. Okay, let's check it out. You know, tai Taiwan, Taiwan belongs to Japan, you know, huh? before uh, 1945. Yes. In, uh, I mean, from 1895 to uh, 1945. Belong to Japan, uh, you're saying? Taiwan, Japan yeah. occupied Taiwan. Mm. So after then, uh, World War II, I mean, uh, 1945, then Japan left the Taiwan. And Taiwan became independent. Uh, then. Independent. Yeah. So this is a very old bell. Maybe That's huge. because uh, it's a Japanese name. So it should be uh, completed in the uh, Japanese period. 1919. This bell. This is from 1919. Uh, 1919, yeah. It's an old, old bell. Did they ever use it for ringing? Or is it just a. Uh, just put here. Just here. Yeah, just so many. Sure. <laughs> if I know you come, I can uh, explain to you more in detail, but I must go now. Sorry. Oh, sure. Thanks. Thank you. Nice to meet Your you. Your name is? Uh, Charlie. Charlie. Okay, man. Tony. Tony. How are you? Yeah. Nice to meet you. I'm Josh. Thank you. Thanks, Thank Tony. You. Have a good weekend. Yep. Thanks. Yeah. You too. All right. There you go. Cool. Just walk down the street and an interviewee will pop out of the air. That's how I make my bookings. <laughs> That's your secret. Yeah. Just uh, wander around and look like you have a mic in your hand. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> were there any other secrets that you were curious about? Other secrets? Well, okay, there's, I, I see one secret uh, right here. Uh, you've got a heavy-duty microphone plugged into your iPhone yep. with a dead cat on top. Is that your uh, remote setup? This is my world tour go around and have something in my pocket setup. Okay. So, yeah, I have this like little Shure mic that's stereo, and it's pretty cool. I thought I was going to be bringing my Zoom H4n around, uh -huh. but that thing just like eats up batteries and it's a little bit chunky. So. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah, that's that's a secret. Okay. Now, when I when I talked to you, we talked over Skype um, a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh, did you did you do that often? Yeah, it's lately been about like two-thirds of the interviews have been through Skype, maybe one-third in person. Started out more people locally in the Twin Cities, uh, but as I kept growing with more interviewees, I realized like I needed to branch out to get weird composers who do this. Yeah, I don't know. 
<laughs> so do you, is there like a, a studio space in the cities that, uh, that, that, that you call home uh, for, for yes. your podcast interviews? The studio is called My Bedroom. Uh-huh. And it's slightly awkward sometimes. One time in particular, uh, I interviewed Mary Ellen Childs. And she assumed that I was like, like a record, her record label had like reached out to me or something, but I had just like randomly emailed, you know, and she thought I was like a big production. And I was like, no, sorry, this is in my bedroom. (laughs) Hopefully that's okay. And she was super nice about it. But sometimes people probably have the initial like, oh, that's weird. All right, whatever. But anyone who knows how podcasts work. Mm-hmm. usually just understands that it's a low-budget effort most of the time. Okay, okay. And, okay, speaking of, of how podcasts work, I, I notice you're, you're, you're much shorter in person than you sound on the podcast. <laughs> I'm about 5'6", somewhere in there. So... Yeah. Okay, well, we, we, we got that on record. Now, you got now, that on now record. The listeners now they know. To, you know. Some context. Yeah. There's advantages to being short. Oh, oh okay, go on. Um, I eat less, probably, and <laughs> I, could, I could be an astronaut or a pilot more easily if you, I wanted. You could. Which but I, I won't be, but, you know, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> you got that in your back pocket. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, mostly what I want to talk to you about now that I have you like here in person is I I, I want to I want to geek out about the people that you met, uh, even though like I I understand and appreciate you were not those people, but you know Sam Gorski from Corridor Digital. He was on the first season. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Like that guy, uh, I've been watching that guy's uh, YouTube channel for for all these years. That's really cool. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they, so Sam and Nico, who make that channel, they both went to my high school, um, and we would hang out occasionally, and my good friend Brandon Lotch, who also makes videos, he started under the channel Freddie W. Right. And, but yeah, he also, we've been going to school together since preschool. So mm-hmm. I got to interview him when I was in L.A., and um, briefly saw Nico. I didn't see Sam, but... I got to hang out around their studio, and yeah. Okay. Uh, cool. What else? Who, who, who else? Who else did you get to talk to? There's also just a whole ton of people that I've that I've never heard of, and uh, some of them are doing really interesting uh, stuff. Um, I'm 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 guessing probably uh, a lot of those folks were new to you too. So, yeah. Like. Getting to know new writers that you haven't gotten into before, do you find that affecting, uh, influencing your, your, your own uh, composition? Yeah. It's been cool meeting people and just, like, digging into their music. Because most of the time, not so much on this tour because I've run out of time to do research, but I'll, like, listen to a ton of people's music. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like, I don't listen to music these days because... I don't know, when I'm, like, making music all the time, and it, it's, like, partly my job now, um, sometimes I'm, like, just not inspired to listen to stuff. Like, I'd rather just make it and then listen to podcasts or something else. But, yeah, w- interviewing people is cool because, like, just digging into someone's style 
is always fun. And like some of my favorite music that I've gotten into over the past few years has been from my interviewees that I never knew before. But as to how it specifically influences my style, that's hard to say, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's one thing when 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 folks ask about influences in interviews, like it, yeah. it, it always it always comes up because it's kind of a honestly it's kind of a lazy question. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 such a nebulous thing. Uh, it's 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 really difficult to keep track of. Yeah, the other hard question for me to answer sometimes is like, what's the most important thing you've learned on the podcast, or how has this changed your composing? Because I do think of interviews I've done while I'm composing. Like, there'll be times where I get stuck or something and someone's thought will pop into my head and be like, hey, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. I don't know if that's happened to you as the listener of the show. I mean, obviously, like, I've heard people say these things at least three times because I interview them, I listen back while I'm editing, mm-hmm. and then I do one more pass of listening. So it's, like, permeated my brain a little bit more. That, that that makes me want to ask about the, um, the 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 preparation process because like I, when when I talked to you about my music a, a while ago, you obviously did your homework and you 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 even mentioned some things that I that I had forgotten about myself. So, what kind of prep goes into those normal like weekly uh, yeah. interviews? It must be something yeah, substantial, it's, right? It's usually like a few hours at least of listening, and uh, like usually people are happy to hear that. I found this, like, old demo recording. Some are mortified, but mostly people are, like, excited that I listened to this thing. And the stuff that people haven't been thinking about lately sometimes makes for interesting stories because they'll be, like, they'll dig it back up from their mind and, like, rehash some cool story or something about it. And it also gives me a way, in case the interview doesn't flow naturally it's just a conversation sometimes I just need to like pop in with a question about hey so about this song you know sometimes it's on my end that I just like forget what question I was going to ask or like <laughs> yeah I just need a backup strategy oh sometimes. so do, do, you, do you have like notes or something going into yeah, your interviews I usually do have a page of notes sometimes it's just like lists of songs and then one word about like rhythm cool <laughs> or you know just like something to keep me remembering what and the the other advantage of talking about specific songs is that you can edit the song in and then you have an easy break point for the next topic oh sure so like after 45 seconds then i can like fade it down nicely and then it's like a good segue into something else if i want because people will probably forget what we were talking about in that amount of time and just be like ready for something new. Mm. That, that, that sounds familiar to me as a guy who does videos. Um, like the editing uh, is sometimes a, a challenge, making a story out of, like a coherent story out of a conversation that might not be uh, exactly linear or yeah. you know, coherent sometimes. Um, so I, I guess the, 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 the podcast uh, process has taught you a fair amount about editing as well. Yeah, right? yeah. So I started as a video editor and then came into, like, audio and podcasting. But now I'm, like, kind of inspired to try editing, like, maybe a feature film or documentary. 
just because, yeah, I really do enjoy the process of editing. And I feel like now I've kind of mastered the podcast process of editing. Although this tour is going to be another wrench in the thing, because something I'm trying to do with this tour is, like, try to minimize the amount of voiceover I'll have to do later. Oh, Like, sure. I'm trying to do everything in the moment, record it as I go, so there's no, like, me going back later and saying, oh, well, on this day I did this and this and this. Yeah. It's, like, all in the moment. So... Uh, and so far it's working. Um... I think the only segment that I'll do be doing after is like the Composer Quest Olympic updates because right. people are finishing their Olympic challenges. I, I challenged composers to do these different events like ping pong and weightlifting, which is represented by tuba solos, and like a relay race where composers are in teams and then they pass one thing down the line. Mm-hmm. So these composers have been finishing these Olympic challenges, and I asked if they would do a little audio commentary about their music. So I'm going to be inserting those later. Uh, okay. Well, you know, this is, this is a perfect edit point right now for, oh, for, for that. Yeah. Let's see what uh, our, our next submitter is, uh, has, has uh, written for us, eh? Yeah. My name is Brandon Martin. Um, Charlie asked me to make some comments or give some comments about my experience during the Composer Quest Olympics, uh, about some of the challenges, uh, the composer's choice. So we all got to choose an Olympic sport, and we got to illustrate it musically. So uh, I wanted to choose something that was a little off the beaten path, so I chose trampoline. And the first thing that came to mind was timpani. I didn't want to make it a gimmick necessarily, but I still wanted to get the the characteristic sounds of a timpani, especially the kind of, uh, you know, when you change the pitch, you change the pedal and uh, the pitch changes, boing, to kind of get that, that effect of the bounce, but also um, a drama, a suspense to it, uh, you know, an excitement. Uh, watching the, the videos, the footage of actual athletes on the trampoline it is fascinating go look it up and watch it it is amazing just to see them it kind of magically just going into the air fearlessly you know doing all these different acrobatic moves and everything so i wanted to capture all of that and also i wanted to uh keep with the technique that timpanists would use so i, I came up with a timpanis uh duet I don't know when you'll ever hear about that ever again, but hey, it's you know my world and my composer quest Olympics, so I figured why not. So uh, two timpani, uh, kind of dueling timpani, and um, kind of figured out ways to uh, get them to change the different uh, pitches, you know, work out the technicality of the different pedal changes, but also something that'll sound suspenseful.
incredible. I can't believe what I just heard. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, okay. Um, well, well uh, that makes me wonder. I think the, the, the original reason why I started listening to Composer Quest was because I was l looking for uh, challenges for, for my own writing. So how am I going to fill that, that, that void in my life after Composer Quest is gone? Where am I going to find the next Composer Quest quest without a Composer oh Quest? Um, I think what I'll do is have a long list of other places that do those kind of challenges. Like, what was the one you did? Reddit.com slash r slash song a week. Yeah. They're not quite the same, but maybe I'll just have, like, a resource page up at composerquest.com and just say, like, here's where you can go to do other cool stuff like what we've been doing. Oh, so, fantastic. Yeah. So, Josh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't know that our time in the temple here would turn into an interview about me Neither and Composer Quest. But that, thank you for the nice interview. Oh, yeah. You're, you're a good interviewer. So. <laughs> I've had practice. Yeah. Sona, Iambe? Yeah, correct, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's great to meet you. Likewise, man. Just meeting you here. and For the first for time. For the first time. <laughs> uh, so you're from Dallas originally? Is yeah, that... from Dallas, Texas. What drew you here to Taiwan? Uh, I was on tour as a DJ, and uh, at that point, like I was, I'd never lived abroad, and DJing and traveling kind of around the world, I was had an opportunity to see how other people live, and I thought... You know, it'd be kind of cool to see what it would be like to live in like a completely different environment. And so, when I got off of uh, the plane here, I stayed for two weeks and played in different places all around the island. And I was like, this place is pretty, it's pretty cool. And at the time, there weren't many Westerners here, and you couldn't get by with English. So I was like, okay, this could be an interesting challenge. I'll have to learn Chinese, and and let's just see what happens. And then a year later, I didn't go home. 
<laughs> and I was like, all right, so let's uh, let's see how this works out. And that was ten years ago. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So you, you've been DJing for a long time. <laughs> uh, Fifteen years. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've had a like hardcore DJ in on the show before. Oh wow. Like okay. touring or anything. Um, so yeah, it's really gonna be cool talking to you a little bit okay. about that. But yeah, so what? How'd you get your start? DJing. My mom bought me a tiny little 45 record player, Big Sesame Street Big Bird record player when I was like five or six. And uh, it was all downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I, I grew up in a family that was all about music and my dad was, who's from West Africa, he was into like West African music. Uh, big Fela Kuti fan, uh, and then uh, my mom, who's American, you know, was all like disco and funk and soul, and uh, then in the church, like it's gospel music. So I was always surrounded by that, and then just kind of being on both sides and understanding like how like crowds work and how music affects people. Like, it just that was something that I was really into. And then when I was ten, fourth or fifth grade. We uh, had the opportunity to join the orchestra, and I was like, I'll do that. I didn't know what it was. I was like, okay, it sounds cool, there's music. And then that's when I started, I entered into classical training, so to speak, and played violin and cello and viola and stuff, so. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, I'm kind of curious, like, what have you learned over the years about, like, what makes people dance? Like, one track versus another, or like, how do you feel out the room? And decide like. Uh, well, it, it varies from country to country, and sometimes city to city, depending on like how big the country you're in. But at the end of the day, people like whenever they go out to clubs, they just want to forget. They want to have fun. So, I mean, like the the content is not so important. You know, I mean, if you listen to what's going on, what's the top four, you realize content is not that important. Uh, but it's really about does does the song have a hook? Does it have something catchy? And is it easily danceable? Is it memorable? And will it make people go, you know, go insane? Uh, that varies on, like, in some countries you can get away with playing a bit more obscure things. But, like, at least for Taiwan, the Taiwan market, they just want to go crazy. So, yeah, so as long as it's, I think we know this, like, the common word is high. Can you make something, like, that's the description of everything. Can you make it more high? We're like, uh, exactly what does that mean? <laughs> But I, I realized after being here 10 years that the word high just means energy, energetic, exciting. So that's really, as long as it has a good hook, that's a, a good hook, and there's energy, like, you'll, you'll win. Okay. So, and then obviously it's about timing. Like, you can't play, if most of the people don't get to the club until 12, you don't want to play, like, a big track at 10.30. It's just not, it's going to fall flat. But if you play it at, like, 1.30 when people have had a couple of drinks, everyone goes, goes crazy. So. Okay. So what what would you describe as like big a big track? Like what does that mean to you? Uh for me, I would say like always the breakdown. Like simple like you know hand claps that people can put their hands up in the air and then um sound effects whether it be like swoops, anything where there's a lot of like high end to really like bring the energy up and then like a drum roll obviously. We're talking about mainly dance music. So sure. like yeah. house music. Uh, I guess EDM as they call it now and even like trap and whatever like it's all about the drop and then the build up and then that's it it's, it's actually quite simple so for me like uh, anything with a big kick 
uh, has a lot of space, not too much going on. Like, uh, remember that really crazy, stupid song called Selfie? Mm. It was like, it, it was think. called the <laughs> Selfie song. It was right when Selfie, the term Selfie was becoming a thing. And then this group called the Chainsmokers made a track called Selfie, and it was very simple. Like, kick, snare, kick, snare, kick, snare, drum roll, kick and cymbal and kick, snare. And it was like a number one on the charts for a couple of weeks. So <laughs> that's like my perfect example of, I guess, a big track that doesn't really have a lot going on, but people can follow along to it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So talking about like build-ups and break downs and stuff um i was listening to your track dwl oh um, yeah and i thought that was kind of clever what you did because like there's this huge build up and like a swoop and then it cuts to like An i don't old, know 70s strings song. or something It's an old, old song by a guy who would be considered like the Bob Marley of Taiwan. He died three weeks ago. Oh. And it was like a big like deal. And I was like, I played in Taizong last Friday. And that was like my 10th year, like to the day of being in Taiwan. And so I thought, well, let me create something cool and unique and special. And it just so happened that, that he happened to die. And I was like, oh, shit. Well, like at least throw a reference to that because he was mm -hmm. a big deal. Like his name is Guo Jinfa. So that drop and like that would mean probably a lot more to people who who are live local here, here. But yeah. okay, because I I liked it either way. But I thought it was like you're like expecting like a huge like bassy kick or right. something, and then you get this nice like you cut to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was kind of my nod to cool. Yeah, the cool Jinfa. So cool. Yeah, are you like doing DJing full time here? Uh, how does that? Or I guess now, yeah. Like, it wasn't... My, my life is weird. Because, like, I don't have a regular job. I've never really had a regular job. It's always been like, okay, well, for a little while, it's DJing and music production and making records. And then for another while, it was composing and doing sound design and, and doing stuff for commercials. And then uh, parkour came along, and it was parkour, making and filming and, and doing stunts and stunt coordinating. And then now we've opened the, the first kind of... Uh, Parkour Academy in Taiwan, so it's spreading that. So depending on what day you ask me will determine what my occupation is. So like today, you know, I gotta go, I DJ probably six days a week, but if I'm not DJing, I'm at home making music. If I'm not at home making music, I'm teaching parkour. So yeah, it's kind of a weird that's, way that's cool, that to happen. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what, how did the parkour thing get started? Well, I started back in the States. It was like about two or three years where I was just kind of doing what, what most of us did as a kid, jumping off of stuff, uh, flipping around. Like I had a bit of a martial arts background and I was a break dancer before, so I kind of got it, but I didn't really understand that there was like this discipline or this sport, whatever you call it, that had a name. And uh, didn't really understand the history too much until I came here and tried to find people who were training, but there, it turned out there wasn't. So I trained by myself and then like word got around that there was this guy doing parkour and I kind of, taught a lot of the first people but I didn't really know what I was doing I was like all I can do is show you what I know but I don't know if it's right so we just figure this stuff out together how about that and then that was when Josh and Awe uh, who's our, our mutual uh, friend kind of came into play and 
We traveled around the island. We had so many crazy experiences together. It was what got us into movies, was the parkour thing. Reebok and like companies started asking us to do like shows, and we were like, wow, we're kind of onto something here. And then we had the opportunity to bring the original founders of the discipline from France, known as the Yamakaze, with the, the, the opportunity to bring the founding member, Chow Bell, here and train with him. We upped our game. We really pushed like the community, and now we have our own academy. So that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so to bring it back to composing, uh, have you like written music for your parkour videos at all? Uh, I've done a few. Uh, not so many. Actually, I think most, a lot of the parkour videos you, Josh, wrote for. Yeah. Okay. I, I did cool. a couple, uh, but most of the time. Usually if I'm writing, it's for, like, commercials. I've done a couple of short films, one video game. Yeah, it's mostly commercial projects, short film projects, stuff cool. like that. What kind of advice do you have for people who are doing commercial music? Don't take it personally. It's just to sell soap. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, that's all it is. Like, I remember when I first started and I had, like, these musical visions of what I wanted to say for like whatever product and then people are like yeah can you just make it more like the reference track can you just make it more like like that it, yeah don't take it personally just do what you can try to put a little bit of artistic you know expression in there take your paycheck and move on don't take it personally <laughs> don't because if yeah. you do you're gonna get you're in for a lot of heartache yeah, yeah. so oh so in the background right now faintly we're hearing Beethoven for release. Not an ice cream this, truck. Not an ice cream <laughs> truck. The garbage truck is coming. Yeah. Uh, did, uh, you, did you get fooled the first time? Did you go down? Um, <laughs> Josh had warned me. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, uh, I remember seeing a video before I came here, and I was okay. like, yes, the city's cool. Yeah. Like, music for everything. <laughs> well, now they got music on the MRT, which is quite interesting. Yeah. And it changes often. We were just talking about that, because yeah. uh, I went out and I recorded each of the train line songs. Oh, really? So, yeah. So, like, the blue line, uh, Josh and I had been talking about, it's kind of like these random notes, mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, but they're they're still like harmonized a little bit. Talking about the chord, it's like blum 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 yeah. blum blum. Yeah, it's, it's like in five four <laughs> or something. <laughs> the green line we just looked up, Chopin's Nocturne, but like is that what it is? Yeah, but jazzy. I don't think they're existing in melodies, but but like the red line is yeah, just kind of like this plinky xylophone or something sound. The orange.
orange one though was my favorite. I haven't heard that. It's, one. Oh, okay, you should just go there for the heck of it. It's like this chromatic descending thing, I don't, and it sounds like kind of goofy. Are there any other like melody things around here that I haven't thought about? Family Mart, 7-Eleven, High Life. Every time you open the door, it's like they all have their own ones. Really? Like Family Mart is bong 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 bong. And then Seven <laughs> is a uh, oh what is Seven? I go to Family Mart more than Seven, so uh, not that I'm being paid by Family Mart, although I'm, <laughs> I am open to that. I'm open to sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, 7-Eleven is just Bing Bong. Uh, High Life, I don't think they have anything special. I think I think Family Mart is probably the one that has the longer melody. Apparently that's what you need to get into as a composer here. It's like little <laughs> jingle melodies. Yeah, the thing is, is that there's no such thing as royalties out here though. So it's like everything's buyout. Which is, it's sad, but yeah. yeah. If there was something in the States, like, oh dude, you'd be killing. That'd be yeah. like your one... You know what I mean? That, that's yeah. like you're, you could be a one-hit wonder and still be making money. So, Have you like ever gotten royalties in the U.S. for anything? Or? Uh, yeah, I did for British Airways uh, because I was interning at the time. This is when I was still in the States, and I was interning at this production studio called AMS. And uh, it, at first it was just, you know, running, doing coffee, sitting in on Pro Tool sessions and watching and Kelly do everything, and I was writing at home. And then... Someone asked me, like, hey, do you have any tracks that work for this? And they, they originally wanted for, like, an ESPN spot. I was like, ah, ESPN. Mm-hmm. So I sent them a couple of things, and uh, they ended up using it for a British Airways spot. And I remember I got my first check from ASCAP, and it was, like, $2,000. And I was like, more money I'd ever gotten in one time ever. And I was like, whoa, I got paid. And I didn't even, like, try it. Like, I, I was just messing around, like on my computer in my room in my mom's house you know what I mean and like I got paid for this and little... you were the intern yeah the I was time. the intern <laughs> but that's the only time I've gotten musical royalties and obviously from releasing music like on, on underground record labels you get royalties you find out like your song was played in some banana republic in Berlin or something like that but oh, it, it's okay. different than like being synced to picture right there's the there's the different licenses licenses and uh, it's a different sort of payout. Like, hmm. Sync to TV always gets more than... Like, usually, I, if I get an ASCAP check for for my own music royalties, like, for music releases, it doesn't go over, like, a hundred bucks hmm. for, like, a half year. So, yeah. <clears throat> Still, that's cool. I kind of forgot about the, like, in-store royalties. That oh, yeah. Get. They all pay yeah. a license for that. Hmm. They pay... I think now it's changed where it's, like, a membership... Because I used to be the music director of the W, and so I really understood like how things work. And now they have what's called music styling companies. And what they do is they have a library of of songs that are similar to maybe certain artists that you like. And then those those they kind of pay like a licensing fee to li- that library, and then they charge you for the styling service. And then like different percentage get paid out to the artists that are featured and get streamed to like the you know W Hotel or the Regent or whatever. Hmm. So. That's cool. Yeah, well, how was that working for the W Hotel? Like, 
it was. <laughs> it had its good things and its bad things, and um, I learned what I wanted and what I didn't want. Hmm. Just keep it like that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was like picking out music at the time, or were you like music supervisor for the hotel, or kind of? It was. It was a variety of jobs. It was DJing, uh, organizing events like bringing in foreign DJs. Then there was the curating part, which was deciding like what kind of music. Because the, the, the one cool thing about the W is like they're very big on creating like an environment for different parts of the hotel. So like, and that was what I loved to do. So I was like, okay, the elevator. Like, there's like four elevators, and every elevator's gonna have a different theme. One elevator's gonna be bossa, samba, jazz. Other elevator's gonna be just like high energy dance, cheesy dance music. The other one, for licensing issues, we couldn't do like, you know, top 40 or anything, but I was like, okay, one's just going to be kind of like show tunes or something like that, and then the other one will just be like kind of chill out, like ambient type music. So every one they get in, like, will have a different theme, and then when you get to the floor, depending on which floor, that's a different style of music. So like the 10th floor, which is where what was called the living room was, the living room had like kind of loungy, chilled out music. Whereas Ubar was kind of like, you know, the cool, like, chic kind of one. Everyone goes to be seen, all the celebrities hang out. So it's like Deep House. And then the swimming pool had, like, its own area. So That's cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I think about, like, the people who are behind the curtain, like, deciding what we're hearing, like, as we walk through the world. And, yeah, it's interesting. You always wonder, what are they thinking sometimes? Yes. Especially yeah. when you walk into some places and you're like... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or hold, hold music, I especially think of. Oh, yeah. Like, I, our hold music at the W, our work there, was on point. Dude. Nice. On point. <laughs> That's actually where I stuck, because I would get music from like my, my other friends who are producers. Like, yo, all right, so here's the deal. They want something for hold music, but their license or their contract with music styling like doesn't extend to that so send me some stuff and I would sneak like our music in there so whenever you're older you hear like one of our songs and we're like yeah nice we got in oh that's cool <laughs> you know well, so. that's, that's better than anything you hear on Minnesota hold music like for any like government office it's oh. like the same terrible sax song really <laughs> wow like uh, like we're talking about like some like smooth jazz type yeah kenny g type stuff or yeah yeah lot? and believe me i've been on hold with them for like <laughs> hours and hours of my life <laughs> it's <laughs> terrible uh, next time get them to hire you as a consultant or something like that a music yeah, consultant yeah that's a big thing nowadays right curator or consultant is kind of it's it's a retitled music director, but the roles have kind of morphed, I guess. So. Yeah. How do you think, like, you would approach a company and say, like, hey, I want to help you, like, get, get your sound branding, like, a little better? Uh, we definitely have to have some sort of social proof, right? Because you're showing up and being like, hey, your music sucks. Let me fix it. It's <laughs> not going to work. So at least make sure you've either done something for someone before or, you know, you have... Something that shows that you know what you're talking about. And then you just go up to them like, hey, uh, I saw that, you know, I was in your place and I think you could really improve your overall experience if you did this. But you got to really explain it because most people think nowadays people download music. Music is a business card. You don't get paid for it anymore. Like I make music. I don't get paid. I use it so that I can go get DJ gigs, you know, because yeah. everyone just downloads music for free or whatever. So music, it doesn't, I don't think holds the same kind of value as it did maybe when yeah when we were young 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally, I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, lately, because I just decided to put, like, all my albums and film scores up as, like, you know, pay what you want, mm-hmm. but I'm assuming which will be zero, you know, just to get it out there and right. hopefully in the hands of directors so that I can get, like, maybe some more film scoring gigs. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's tough. No one's going to buy it. No. <laughs> no. No one's gonna, They might buy it, but they, it'll be, like, maybe to be your friends, it'll be your mom. Like, like I said, royalty checks for those aren't that much. Yeah. But uh, if it gets you in the door for something else, then... That's what it is. It's kind of a business card, yeah. so to speak. I mean, you still get can get paid as a composer, like doing stuff for mobile games, online games, and stuff like that. But uh, as far as like general public, just do it for the love, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of uh, tracks are you working on right now? Uh, let's see. I have... There's this record label I've worked with for probably seven or eight years uh, out of Singapore called Dustpin Recordings. And it's been a while since I actually released music on a label because I was just distracted by everything else. But in the past six months, I decided I was going to get back on it and release more, and which is why I'm kind of DJing more and uh, planning to start like touring a bit more. So I've got a release coming out there and then just doing... Uh, I, funny, I was having this conversation with our mutual friend. We were talking about trying to... We were talking about how kind of we weren't really satisfied with the music industry in Taiwan, how all the music is really kind of like... Uh, it just doesn't connect mm. you know and it's all kind of the same thing and we were talking about what if we start like just do this thing like every month we're like remix an old Taiwanese song songs that people maybe knew when they were kids and they can kind of identify with but kind of give an update just just for fun and because after you're here a while you kind of owe it to kind of give back to the community somehow so the parkour the music that's kind of like our like kind of how I want to do it cool so, so when you're Searching for like old Taiwanese songs to sample, like what, what about those tracks? Like, gets you thinking, like, yeah, this is perfect sample. Hooks, <laughs> gotta be the hooks. A lot of times, uh, because those songs, you know, predate the period when you could like get, you know, stems. You can't get the acapella. You can't get the guitar licks. So you gotta be very careful about how you sample, because you don't want it to come out crappy and usually those the the versions of those songs like the highest quality you can get is 128 so you can't sample mm-hmm. the whole thing and you definitely can't time stretch it too much because you're just gonna get a huge degradation in quality and mm-hmm. it's gonna sound bad especially on like giant sound systems where like if you play a 192 uh, kilobit mp3 file it sounds like crap like you got to play waves or aifs in order to like to get the sound system to hear it properly so mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just uh, mixing or doing things for a club and doing it for, like I said, radio or like iPod or whatever is completely different different thing. Oh, yeah, okay. I've, I've never thought about that. Oh, yeah. Like, I just assumed since MP3 was like pretty much standard for the other stuff. Well, most people listen to music, what, on their phone, uh, on their, I don't even think people use iPods anymore, do they? Because they have <laughs> iPhones. And those things, they usually color the sound. But if you're on a huge sound system, which is pushing function one or void, where you've got cabinets and you've got subs and you've got everything in the club and you play that same song, because you can hear it loud and clear. If it's, if it's a poorly mixed song or if it's a low quality MP3, 
uh, versus like an away file or even a 16-bit versus a 24-bit wave file. They can people can tell the difference. They won't be able to know. They'll be like, "Oh, that guy's not playing waves." I don't know. That's why the song doesn't sound like it. But they'll know something's off. If you go from like a commercially mixed track to maybe something that you made on your own and you haven't mixed it well, the energy in the room just goes. <laughs> so it's it's definitely like a a good way to learn what sounds good on sound systems if you're making like club music. Yeah. And most, so, sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, I, I'm just curious, like, where do DJs go now that, like, people aren't releasing CDs? But, like, I'm assuming there's CD quality versions somewhere that you can get at, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, there's, most people, when they buy the music, they buy from iTunes or they stream on Spotify or YouTube. Uh, but for DJs, we usually buy at TrackSource or Beatport. Uh, which is pretty much the go-to shop for dance music, for underground electronic music, specifically for DJs, because you can buy in a variety of formats, MP3, Wave, AIFF, 24-bit, 16-bit, because the majority of the target demographic is DJs. Hmm. So, yeah. But you always have to play minimum 320-bit uh, MP3. If you play like, like 128, 192, even 256, we can tell, hmm. always tell. Yeah. <laughs> what DAW do you use for making Logic. stuff? Logic. Yeah, I started with Reason, then moved to Logic when Logic was eMagic. It was not owned by Apple, and you could use on Windows version 5.5. And then I got a job with Apple as a Logic genius. Hmm. <laughs> so, uh, so, and then I was like, yeah, I can learn. I get paid to learn to like learn all the best stuff of logic and teach it to other people. So then I became like a logic guru at that point. Um, and then I was logic for a while. Then Ableton came out, and because at the time logic didn't really have time stretch algorithms, or they had them, but they were terrible. Mm. And Ableton had kind of really changed the game for that. So I was in Ableton for a while, and and still do a lot of sound design stuff with Ableton because you can do really, it's really fast and a bit more intuitive to mangle sounds and Ableton yeah. than I think with Logic. Yeah. People who've listened to the podcast know I'm like hardcore Ableton fan. Really? Even though, yeah, yeah, I use it for pretty much everything. Cool. <laughs> it's, well, it's, all, it's all about what, what works for you, right? I mean, like Skrillex did all the sound design for Transformers on Ableton. He makes Grammy Award winning records on Ableton. Hmm. Dead Mouse makes stuff in Fruity Loops. Or, sorry, FL Studio. Oh, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Dead Mouse makes stuff with FL Studio and Ableton. So it's, it's yeah. about what works best for you. But for me, I find Logic works best. Yeah. So. So how much does your classical background like factor into like what you're doing now? Uh, right now, probably still about the same in terms of my understanding of you know chords and melodies that that evoke emotion. Uh, but as far as the the theory, I try to throw it out the door. I just try to like because it, it, it you can get too caught up in it, and especially when you're making dance music or pop music. You, just like make people happy, sing along, and it's, that's why it's called pop music, you know, or it's called dance music. People want to dance. They don't want to think, what, chord, what kind of chord progression is that? <laughs> <laughs> so um, when it comes to writing for commercial or for film, I think about it a little bit more. But again, like at least being over here, when people edit things, they're not cutting to any sort of time signature. So you got to work it out and figure out like sometimes I'll... Uh, there's this guy I work with who I've worked with for a long time, and he's really great because he'll just send me, like, I got this project, and uh, I'm going to do this thing, and he just lets me do whatever I want. He's like, okay, so you see the video, what do you think? And I'm like, really? Like, I can't, can't do anything? And he's like, yeah. 
So I was like, we've worked together for a while. So anytime he sends me something, I just kind of look at him like, ah, I think we should do like maybe like big strings and like a little bit of like this and that. He's like, okay, cool. Make it sound good. <laughs> it's like the best situation like you could ever be in. Well, Sona, I have a tradition on the show where we have this question chain going. Okay. So the last guy I interviewed, Brian Alexander, asked, how do you get the feedback you want on a track versus like potentially getting extraneous feedback that you don't want, if that makes sense? Um, that's kind of a tricky one. Just be honest with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Part of that is true. I mean, you got to kind of be, be honest about what it is you're trying to convey, like your whatever message you're trying to send in the music, but also make sure that it, it can connect I think with, because that's what music is, you're trying to express yourself, right? And you want to connect with other people. Even if, you know, someone comes in, they have no understanding of music theory or time signatures or, you know, every, every 16 bars, something new must be added or taken away. Like, they don't understand that, but then can, can connect with it. And I think that's the best way to get positive, is it, is it, what do you ask, positive feedback? Is that what it was? Or um, Well, how do you get... Like the feedback you're looking for. The, the I feedback guess. you're looking like, for. Uh, yeah, I'd say that's that's one way, and the other way is sometimes you're not gonna get it. Like, I can tell you, like I've done songs or tracks or whatever that I spent three or four weeks on, sometimes a month, and I'm like, man, I worked really hard on this, and you put it out, and it's like one like, <laughs> 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 or people just don't connect, and you do something like like the DWL thing, which I did in eight hours of just like I was like, okay, I got. Okay, I gotta get on the train, so let's just work this out. And then, you know, we got like tons of people responded well to it. So I guess you gotta ask yourself, how important is the feedback to you really? How much does it matter? Sometimes people will connect, sometimes people won't. But if you're satisfied with it yourself, then at the end of the day, that's, I guess that's all you can kind of hope for. Yeah. All right, do you have a question for my next guest? Okay, if you couldn't do music what would be the your 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 second option for something that you would do as your stand-in self-fulfillment whatever makes you happy type thing yeah if you couldn't do music what else would you do how about that good question (laughs) yeah i have thought about that like if i went deaf or something like what would i do Mm, i don't know visual art comes to mind but yeah it's hard it's hard yeah well Okay, so, Sona, the other tradition on the show is I ask all the guests if they want to make their own intro theme for the podcast episode. Sure. Yeah, that'd be cool. So, yeah, composer quests, whatever that inspires. Okay. Is it just like a little 15 to 20 second? Like, yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'll do that. All right. That'd be good. Sweet. Yeah. So, Sona, where can people find you online? Facebook, uh, just at Sona Ayambe. Uh, S-O-N-A-E-Y-A-M-B-E and on Instagram Stalk Sona as in like Stalker Sona uh, and then I don't, not really much on the tweet machine but Sona Ayambe as well and SoundCloud it's just soundcloud.com slash Sona cool yeah well Sona it's been a pleasure Likewise, talking to you here thanks for having yeah, me yeah great to meet you and best of luck with all your DJing thank you sir I'm in the Taipei main station 
here at 8.30 p.m. And I'm going to take the red line over to see Sharky Chen and ask her about punk music here in Taiwan. So let's go through the gate and let's go listen to that beautiful red line music. by myself drinking a smoothie uh, because I was stood up tonight apparently Sharky has a deadline she has to meet and couldn't meet me here but I get to listen to some Dave Brubeck and hope that tomorrow goes better we've rescheduled for 6pm tomorrow night in the meantime I I did enjoy the train ride over. I got to listen to this podcast called Heavyweight. The first episode is about this guy, Jonathan, the, the host, brought his father and his father's estranged brother back together. Uh, and yeah, it's just kind of inspiring and got me pumped about what I'm doing with this tour, actually, because... I don't know, it's uh, really fun trying to craft a story out of this whole adventure. So anyways, I guess I'll just hop back on the train, head back to Josh's place, listen to the second episode of Heavyweight, finish that up, which is about Moby and Moby's friend who lent him CDs that Moby sampled. And it's kind of about his friend's struggle to get over the fact that Moby became super famous. Uh, but it's super interesting hearing Moby's side of the story and how when he was at his height of popularity, that's when he realized, like, wow, there's a lot in life that I don't enjoy and he was ready to jump out a window of his uh, hotel. So I guess if there's a, any lesson to learn there, it's that even the extremely famous have downtimes. So aspiring to be famous for fame's sake, eh, not quite as rewarding as, uh, you know, doing the art for the art's sake. But anyways, I'm going to stop this rambling now and enjoy the rest of my smoothie. Thanks for listening, listeners.
got some ex extra bad news tonight. Uh, there are no trains that go back to Josh's place at this time. So, my next step is figuring out either the bus system or maybe I just uh, stay here in Taipei tonight and figure something else out. Ah, this is a long day because I was in Okinawa this morning, got up at 4.30 a.m. So stay tuned for the continuation of Charlie's adventure. Okay, just kidding. I got on a train to Zhongli, Josh's place. Uh, apparently the uh, ticket machine was just lying to me. So, crisis averted, thanks to some helpful citizens here in Taipei. And man, am I looking forward to sleeping tonight. on top of a big like mountain I guess yeah sure with uh, my friend Michael Broshot who uh, just introduced me to this guy who he sees climbing on the fourth mountain fourth time Sam he remembered me I've never yeah. said hi to him oh all he well, does is he, he sings down the mountain and he picks up trash <laughs> that's, that's how I recognize him and he's always shirtless he's always <laughs> sweaty so a sweaty man picking up trash singing yeah <laughs> old man probably about seven years old does he always sing that song? No, I, I don't remember. What oh, song. I that think, was just, I think he usually he wanted sing, to... sings Chinese, I think, usually. Oh, okay. Cool. But yeah, we got him to sing. Yeah. That's great. Nice. So, yeah, Mike and Alana just climbed up this mountain. You've done it before a few yeah. times. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you, you warned me that there'd be some, like, almost vertical rock climbs with... You're just holding on to these ropes. That's right. Um, a lot of fun. Yeah. It was intense. Uh... Like I was telling Michael, I used to love rock climbing as a kid, and then sometime along the line, the uh, the fear of actual falling somehow sunk in mm. that it could happen. But I feel like today was a good milestone, getting past that a little bit. Oh, it was a good time. We made it. And mm. we're enjoying the view of no. uh, Taipei 101 again. Wow. Yeah, the tallest tallest building in. Taiwan? In Taiwan, for sure. And Sixth tallest in the world. At one point, it yeah. was the tallest. So, Michael, you grew up in Woodbury, which is really close to my hometown of Stillwater, Minnesota. Did you ever expect you'd come out to Taiwan in your life? Uh, not until college. College, I, I had to study abroad and was planning on originally going to China, and those programs were full, and they were free to Taiwan. Studied here, loved it. 
good outdoors, good biking, good mountains. That's that's what I enjoy. So, yeah, had a good good semester and thought about coming back. And here I am. I teach English and I'm enjoying the city, enjoying my time here. Yeah. Thanks for showing me around, Michael. Yeah, no problem. It's been fun. Yeah, good. Let's listen to some more of this beautiful wind. Yeah. Uh, feels nice because it's really hot usually here in Taipei. This breeze feels great. Well, I'm back in the same cafe as last night. And good news is that it sounds like Sharky's on her way. So it sounds like we'll get an interview in after all at the last second on my last night here in Taipei. All right, update. It's been about half an hour after we were supposed to meet. She said she was going to be a few minutes late, but I'm starting to think this person doesn't exist and maybe it's just someone playing a trick on me. just called her and she does exist she's on the train all right it's now officially an hour after we were supposed to meet and i think most journalists would have given up at this point but i am too stubborn and curious to find out what the heck is going on Oh, seven. Just, oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. Just sorry, I didn't work. see that for Did you reason. order anything? I did, yeah. Okay. But if you go ahead. All right. <laughs> well, it's Sharky. Sharky. Yeah. Charlie. Yep. Hello. Yeah, nice to meet you. So, yeah, I wasn't sure because Josh's email said, like, yeah, I, I a thought few you minutes. Got, oh, yeah. Already? But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry. So, that's okay. And sorry about yesterday because I haven't finished my work. Oh, yesterday. yeah. So, yeah. what were you up to with work? Yeah, it's like um, design case. Design, oh. I do design. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, advertising, sort of? Yeah, it's like I have to finish that tomorrow. Oh, okay. I have to, yeah. Now, I uh, All right. So, so, where do we start? Where do we start? <laughs> because well, uh, it's been two years that I haven't had any interview because I used to have a band called Hot Pink. Oh, yeah. Like, Josh played me a yeah, couple Yeah, that's songs. what I know him because he played, <clears throat> he practiced with us. He, he, oh, you did? What? He did a trumpet, something like that. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know he played. He, so. he did, he did. Okay. So that's why he noticed, and um, I fired old member two years ago. <laughs> you fired them? Yeah, I fired them because I found them sleeping together. <laughs> and, and anyway, it's just a boring story. Anyway, I fired them, and I decided to do it by my own, by myself. Okay, sure. And then it went well. I From two years ago, I started 
recording this album, and I just said because my name is Sharky, it's all by myself now, so I just changed it to X, Sharky. Oh yeah. Yeah, so it's like my band. And last year I went to Hong Kong to play a show, and I asked some a bass player and a drummer to play with me, and. They seem like they don't want to support me for one show only, so they join us. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they join me. Sure, right? sure. Yeah, so now my members are all in Hong Kong. Sure. It's like long distance band. Oh, yeah. So they're oh, how often do you see each other? Well, when we have a show, if we yeah, have nice. a show in Taiwan, then they they come. Oh. And okay. last month I went to Hong Kong. Oh. To play a show. Okay. Yeah. And you do recordings like. By myself, yeah. Right. I went to Okinawa to record the drums, oh. and I asked some friends to play the bass for me, and I'm the guitarist. Okay. So I'm on the vocal recording now. Oh sure. Yeah. I was just in Okinawa yesterday, actually. What? I was in Okinawa. Yesterday? Yes- yeah, yesterday morning. So I was there for three oh. three days. Oh, how was so, it? Um, it was pretty beautiful. It, it, was the, it your first time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've been to Okinawa for over 10 times. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, because um, Hot Pink went to Okinawa. So we, we were like quite, like a little bit famous there. It's so small island, so sure. we're kind of famous there. And cool. I get to know many people there, so that's why a drummer helped me to record the drums. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed Okinawa. Do you went like... to any beach? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was... I, we saw a bunch along the way, but I found one. We found one that was like kind of just off in a secluded area, and there's like only two other people there. So is it a small, uh, like by a temple? Um. No. No. Mm, no. It no. was kind of by mountains. Mountains. Yeah. Okay. But I don't. Is that a small you go one? to one by? A small one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, but. Do you go to the beach there often when you're there? Yeah, actually, I went there last month, too, to shoot a music video. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, on the beach? Yes. Oh, nice. On the street <laughs> and everywhere. It's like an Okinawa video. Okay. Because I wrote that song in Okinawa. Oh, So I okay. cool. just got a cameraman, and we just went there together. What's the song about? Uh, because my ex-boyfriend's from Okinawa. Oh. And it's a love song. Okay. But it's not a happy love song. So I have to pretend like I'm not happy in this yeah. happy area, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'll show you the music video when it's done. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I plan to find a, a record label in Japan mm. because um, punk rocks, I play punk rock something, mm-hmm. and it's not that popular in Taiwan now. Okay, I was gonna ask if it's like yeah, yeah, it's nothing. Well, some punk rock band still exists, but it's not like big scene. But there are there's still a big scene in Japan now. Oh, cool! A really big scene. So I want to let more people know about this this music. So I try to release in Japan cool. this new album. Yeah. And so is it like? If you tried to play a show around here, would it just be hard to get a spot to play? If it's or, not, it's not difficult to get a spot to play, but it's difficult to, you know, doing the same thing because it's been 
12 years that I play with hot pink and it's so small I mean Taiwan it's like you can finish a tour within one weekend yeah yeah like three places like sure. Taipei Taichung Kaohsiung maybe a festival in Kanding maybe yeah so sure. but it's not like I'm saying it's boring here but I just want to try something new and I want to know more people yeah out there yeah yeah do you think you would ever end up moving to Japan or anything? Well, like I'll see. I'll see. Because I'm keeping myself quite free. I don't have a stable job. Hmm. I still have to work, but of course, but I don't have a stable job. I don't want to get a stable job. Yeah. Because me it neither. will <laughs> Yeah, it will lock me. Yeah. And because maybe I sometimes I want to go to Hong Kong to practice with him and I need to ask for some holidays. So yeah. anyway, it's uh, yeah. I'm I'm also living the freelance lifestyle and yeah, making music and yeah. You know, you have to be like this. Yeah. Yeah, you have to because um because I've been playing music for 16 years, but many people I know give up after 30s. Mm. Yeah, because they have, yeah. maybe they have to get married or they have to they have to earn money and yeah. anyway. That's not for you right now, anyways. Right? Of course, I need money if I go. Well, yeah, of course, <laughs> yeah, I need money, true. but yeah. Not the family part. Yeah, my yeah. family also supports me very well, so. Oh, okay. Well, that's nice. Yeah, they don't. They don't regard me as a loser. That's so lucky for me already. That's good. Yeah, that's. Would that, like, in Taiwan, is is that a, a thing? Like, if if people are like pursuing music or something into their later 20s or 30s yeah. or whatever yeah people and just might look down on them a little bit or yeah, a little bit yeah hmm. so I mean I guess it's the same in the US like really? sometimes and not maybe not quite as much but yeah I don't know actually I shouldn't say that cuz like in my position people they're more just like curious like what what does he do all day? <laughs> okay. But yeah. it's like... It's the same. It's the same. Yeah. Because uh, I used to have some stable jobs, stable jobs. and In quotes. <laughs> actually, my colleagues don't know about my life. They don't understand. My holiday is more important for me because it's my own time for music now. Yeah. So they, they don't understand. Hmm. But it's okay. Yeah. What got you into punk music originally? Well, actually, um, I used to play funk oh. and fusion when I play guitar. Oh, because cool. I got a teacher there, and he played jazz. So all I learned from him is blues, jazz, funk, mm. something like that. And but I like a Japanese band called High Standard, which was very famous back in the '90s. And I just want to start a girl band. Which was very difficult for me because um, it's already very difficult to find people to play together, and it's more difficult to find girls to play together. Mm. Yeah, in Taiwan. Well, maybe Wait. not now. Okay. But it's still difficult for me to find punk rock player because I'm not playing like Raymond's. I play something with technique. Sure. Which was yeah. very fast, and I really need to keep it. I really need to find a good drummer. Yeah. It's not like old school Sex Pistols thing. It's not like that. So. Yeah. Because or, people always think that punk rock is like just dan dan dan, dan or everything sounds the same. Yeah. Something like the, that. 
but I'm not playing that. I'm playing more like melodic thing and. Yeah, listening to your little yeah, samples. Yeah, it's a little bit different. Yeah, your guitar playing is yeah, really melodic. Yeah, so I used to play with 32 drummers during these 12 years. 32? It's 32. It's a record, I think. <laughs> it's a record, I think. Yeah. What's your creative process like for writing songs? Do you start with, like, the... Actually, when Josh told me about that, because he said uh, Charlie is also a songwriter, and he wants to, maybe he wants to ask about the, the writing thing, and I was like, oh, because I don't really have a writing thing. I don't lock myself in a room and write. Okay. I make my song while I wait for the bus. Oh. Or... Or maybe my, my friend ride a bike, I sit under the back seat and I la 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 la. I make song like this. Oh. I make song on the street. And you can just hear the I, chords and I stuff? Don't, yes, and I, I don't write down anything. Uh, maybe I write, I write some point, poetry and some lyrics, but I don't write down all the melody. If I forget the melody I make yesterday, I forget. And I let then it you go. just do a new I one. I let it go. Because even myself forget about the melody. Maybe no one will re- remember the melody anyway. Yeah. So, so it's just like... It's natural. just not special, maybe. Yeah. So I just... If I forget, I forget. Hmm. I don't... I, I re- just... I use my brain. And you don't even, like, record on your phone I don't, voice I don't, memos? I don't. I don't. I don't. Oh, my gosh. I don't. I, I know it's it's kind of different because all my friends work so hard. If they got any good melody, they write it down. They record it with yeah. with a phone or anyway. I don't do that. Okay. <laughs> I don't. Um, it's funny because uh, you you will save a lot of things in your brain. It's larger than a computer and a phone. So I still remember the melody I made maybe five years ago. Oh, really? Yeah, even I don't write it down. Even it's not a song yet. I still remember that. How do you think you have that kind of memory? I don't know. I don't know. If I forget, it's okay. Are you good at memorizing other I can. Things? I can load, load the memory, and I can think of the mer- melody I made maybe five years ago. And maybe today I'm bored, and I will, I'll be like, oh, let's make it like a whole song, and I will do it. Hmm. Yeah, that's the time I play. I get my guitar and finish the song. Okay. Yeah. So, do you have a favorite song that you've written for this new album? A favorite song? Yeah, there is a song called One Way Ticket. And I, oh, I also write some lyrics in Japanese this time. Oh. Since I want to find a Japanese label, so... Yeah. I also write some simple Japanese lyrics too. What's that song about? The song is about uh, uh, you are on the wrong way. <laughs> you, you ride a bike and you are on the wrong way. And you already know that you are on the wrong way. But what should you do? You should get a U-turn or you yeah. should stop or something like that. It's like a life decision. Mm. But I wrote that song on the backseat of, of the bike. Oh <laughs> yeah, we are on the wrong way, and I just sing like I don't I don't help. I just sing lyrics. Oh, we're on the wrong way, something like that. Cool. The song is very funny because it's only thirty second. Oh really? It's very short. It's oh. thirty second. Does the person get hit? Is that why the song ends so quickly? No, no, no. Oh, okay. Just I throw out I throw out the question. Oh okay. I. 
Actually, this is funny because people want to write songs to encourage people. They give answers to people,、mm-hmm. but I don't want to do this kind of musician. I want to ask. And just leave it open. I, yeah, and I maybe I play a show and my audience will come to me. Maybe he get the answer. Maybe he will tell me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Has that happened? Yeah, that happened. Yeah. That did happen before some、uh, years ago. Oh. Yeah. What was the song that? Uh, it's it's a song called Happy Girl, but it's it's a song about a girl who's not happy, and she wants to be happy. So, I don't tell people how to be happy. I don't know anyway.、Mm-hmm. So I just throw out the question and. Some people will come to me and say, "Maybe you can try this. Maybe you can try that. Maybe you'll be happy. Something like that." <laughs> well, I like、nice. I like the connection. Yeah. I don't I don't give answer. I'm not a great person. I'm I'm just thirty years old. I I don't have much answer about life. I I'm I'm also thirty, and、uh, I kind of I have kind of thought about that because like when I was younger and writing songs, I always thought like. Well, I don't really have enough life experience、yeah. to write songs, but I don't know if I'll ever feel like that, really. Like unless I just start. I just feel like、um, I'm not enough, old enough to say things like this, and I also have、uh, things I really want to do. I want to make mo- movies. Oh. I want to make movie. I I want to do that like twenty years ago when I was still a kid. I I know I want to make mu- music and movie. But once I know that、um, that movie need life experience、yeah. to make, I still don't think it's the time. It's the、sure. time. Yeah, I'm not enough.、Hmm. I'm not. But that's the th- the qu- my question is like maybe we would never feel like that. Like、yeah. maybe I mean, you can still I think make art that's like meaningful at least at the time. Mm. You can try. Like, you can yeah, try. You, you can try to film something. Yeah. So what? What kind of films would you want to make? I want to make. I because I really like detective things like Sherlock Holmes. Oh. I actually I wrote a novel last year. Oh really? And it's it's fantasy. Hmm. It's like I don't know how to say that in English. I I wrote a story about I change my, I ex- exchange my soul with my dog. Oh. We we change <laughs> we we change body. Okay. We change、like、body. Science fiction. Yeah. Sort of. Yes. Yes. We change body, and when when my dog is me, he wrote me letters, and when I become him, I wrote him back. It's、That's like, cool. It's like exchanging diaries. Cool. Yeah, it's. I want to read that. It's in Chinese, but I'll, <laughs> I'll try that. I'll, I'll try、you、to. Should, yeah, you should translate.、That. Yeah, I should translate. It's all letters. It's like we got a notebook here. Like we don't know what's going on, and but I become you, you become me. What's going on? And I teach him how to be a person, and he <laughs> teach me how to be a dog. <laughs> Something like that. That's funny. <laughs> So what got you inspired to write that? I don't know. I, because I feel so tired last year being a person. I I think oh, human being, come on. <laughs> and, and I I I watch my dog every day, and and I think oh, even you, I want to be like you. Just laying there. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to have this brain. It's so messed up. And I want to be like you. 
I want to try. Yeah. Because he was very sick. He got cancer last year. Oh. And he has he, he had a operation. And he was struggling too. I mean, being in that body. So I want to exchange my body to him. I can have the pain instead of him. Yeah. So th- this kind of feeling make me want to have this story. What's the name of the book? Oh, because uh, it's like the test of the test of Hami Uli. But Hami Uli is my dog's name. Mm. But the the na- the meaning of the name is melon. So it's like the the test of melon. Oh, yes, that's, that's great. Yes, I I will How's try you? to translate that in English. Okay. Just yeah yeah oh. maybe I should. Well, good luck. Yeah. Just for practicing English. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for your, you. your English is very. Okay. No, no, no. You know what? I, my English was better before, but I got to know these Japanese things, and all my pr- pronunciation become very weird. Oh. weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you know Japanese. I t- tried learning a little bit. Yeah, they they have so many things from English. Oh. Like yeah. McDonald's, they they are like Makutonaruto. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you know <laughs> what I mean. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so the pronunciation is totally different, and yeah. it will be very confused, confusing me if there is a Japanese man and a guy from the US. I will be <laughs> so busy in, yeah. inside, and yeah. What's it like singing in different languages? Oh, I, I mainly write songs in English, very simple English. Because I think、uh, English is the language that most people speak. I think it's yeah probably, probably. maybe it's Chinese. Maybe Chinese. Yeah, yeah I, I think I think it's Chinese. But English you can use it in France. You can use it、yeah. in everywhere. It's、yeah. like a, it's like a passport. Yeah. So I I write in English. If you were writing songs in Chinese, I, I'm always curious. Like, since it's tonal language. Oh, you... actually, I also there is a reason I don't write in Chinese. It's because it's very difficult.、Mm. It's not like English. It's not like Japanese. Even even Japanese is more easier to write songs、mm. to become melodies, because Chinese is so thick and tough. All the pronunciation. Yeah, it's so so heavy. The、yeah. accent is too heavy. Yeah, when I was trying to learn a little bit, I felt like it was like a workout, like trying to figure out the yeah, tone. Yeah, it, it's kind of difficult for me to write songs in、mm-hmm. Chinese. But like the songs I hear on the radio. Yeah. Like, well, I need. Yes. Like I love you. Yes. Like, are those just not quite the right? Tone, or yeah, they just like made made them into melodies. Yeah, but it, but it doesn't actually. I think Chinese is very good for rap. If you want to write song, rap, rap song, hip、oh, hop、okay. songs. Oh, I think Chinese is perfect. Ooh, yeah. yeah. I think Chinese is perfect. But anyway, I, my mom always want me to write in Chinese. He he think I'm born in Taiwan and why am I writing English songs? Some he she doesn't understand. <laughs> she she always say oh you should write a Chinese song, and I say okay I'll try I'll try I'll、huh. try. Well, Sharky, I have a tradition on the show of a question chain going from guest to guest. 
So the last person I interviewed has, uh, okay. asked a question for you. Oh, so, okay. Um, if you couldn't do music, if I couldn't, if you could not do music, what would you do instead? Movie. <laughs> yeah. Movie. Well, it sounds like yeah, you have a lot of creative endeavors you could get Movie. into. Oh, so that means I have to have a question no, have, to, yeah. to next person. Next person. Okay. Uh, this is fun. Uh, this is another question, but. This is fun because I, I like this idea. I want to ask the person if he want to if he or she want to make a song with me one day. Oh, that would be cool. All right. This, this I'll is ask. this is not this a is... regular question. This is an invite because I don't know him. I know I don't know. Sure. I don't know who's the yeah. next person. Oh, I don't either. Yeah. So so, so this is fun. Okay. I want but to ask. It'll this be question. someone in California. It's okay. It doesn't matter. Okay. It doesn't matter. Right. I want to ask this question. Okay, I will. Okay. Ask it for you. <laughs> Because this is very fun. Yeah. I mean the the chain. The let's chain. let's make a chain. Yeah. A real chain. Cool. Yeah. Well, Sharky. Okay. It's, it's been fun talking to you. So thank Same you. Same here. Same yeah. here. I'm sorry about my my weird English pronunciation. <laughs> oh no no no! It's great. It's... And remember to ask the person to. Oh, I will. That my question. Oh, I will. Don't worry about it. Yep. It, this is a really good idea because um, when Josh told me about this interview, I was like, "Oh, interview! I, I don't really like interview because they all ask me the same question, oh. like, what's the difference between a girl in a band or a boy in a band?" Huh. Everyone they asks me this. Ask. They oh. always ask, and how do I know? I never been a guy. I yeah. I never been a boy. I don't know, but they always ask the same question. So. I I was like kind kind of like refusing Josh like oh, oh should I re re reject oh. because I don't really like interview oh, okay and well I, I'm, I'm glad you and came. and I, I had, was I was a little worried you were like dodging me <laughs> doing this interview oh no 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 I I was I was kind of okay worried were, I was kind of worried that I. It's just another interview. You, you yeah. Know what, you know. You know what I mean. Yeah. But I found it very interesting this oh, time. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah. It's it's a new it. it's a new experience. Oh, well, interview. Thanks. I, I hope it. the reporter or writers that I will meet in the future will be like you. Oh. Like new questions. Well, thanks. New that's, ideas. That's really sweet of you. <laughs> I think maybe when they ask you the question about. What's it like being a girl in a band? I will be like, oh, oh like, my god, just, just another intern in just another interview. Just leave. And he come all the way from America <laughs> and ask me the same question. I will be disappointed, but uh, I'll let I'll have to let you know that I have a good time. Oh. And I like the idea that you have the 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 chain the yeah. chain thing. Yeah. Like you link people together. Yeah. Where should people look for your music? Oh. I'm actually making a website now. We we also have this Facebook page, but I don't really run run that well. But um, and your name is spelled X H A R K I E. K I E. Yes. Okay. Cool. All okay, right. Thanks, Sharky. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. you, Charlie. <laughs> Detection. So happy, how should? Tada, ima, machigaeta, michite, yachimata, na.
I'm heading back to Josh Wilson's place. And I'm really happy with that interview. I, as you maybe could tell from the start, uh, wasn't the best starting point for my interview with Sharky. She was kind of testing my patience with being super late. But, you know, as I've learned in life, there's always two sides to every story, and hers was that she had had some pretty terrible experiences with interviews and was nervous about doing another one. Because um, she was saying after the interview that her newspaper interviews, they just kind of like changed what she said. So, anyways, she won me over, and I hope you enjoyed that talk with Sharky. And if you remember from the last episode, Josh Wilson challenged me to make a song based on three elements. One was Bach, one was noise, and one was a traditional Taiwanese melody. So I'm going to go talk to Josh about what I came up with. And we're back. It is now some time later, and uh, you're finished? I am finished with your challenge you gave me. How did you find it? Uh, it was a lot of fun, yeah. I, I love the idea of having the three things to mash up into one. Like, I've done maybe, like, thinking of two at a time, but the third is, like, a good extra element. Mm, mm. Yeah, I, I thought... Um... Uh, any any two of those would be uh, a, a little bit too easy to cram together. So the third one is to make it. Uh, to, to, the third one is there to throw the you off. The full spice of the meal. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So before we listen to what what you've come up with, um, how did you go about getting to uh, a solution? Yeah. Um, I kind of knew that I wanted to use some of the field recordings I got this week because uh, I stumbled into this Hakka culture festival. Okay. Hakka being a uh, region and like dialect of Chinese. And yeah, I just walked out on the street in the morning and there was a parade leading me to this festival. Lots of fireworks going off. and So yeah, I got all these great field recordings of music and these announcer voices. Um, so the first sample I knew I wanted to use was this sample of uh, this announcer during the ceremony that was going on. Um, so we could play a little clip of that. And at the end of the clip, you'll hear how I use one part of his voice as the sample that I am manipulating with MIDI. Okay. MIDI notes. So. All right. Should we go for it? Yeah, let's 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 uh let's let's hear. So it's that last syllable that you yeah. chose? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> okay. So 
I don't know. Can you understand what that guy is saying at all? Putting me on the spot here. Yes, I, well, I well. You know, it sounds like it sounds like he's announcing the names of the performers. That uh, makes sense, but I just love that intonation. Yeah, uh, well, Chinese is a is a tonal language. It's got it's got four tones, and for public speaking or performances like that, those tones get really exaggerated. So you hear, uh, well, you hear that. Yeah, yeah, and and that rhythm going on in the background. Even though I didn't really use that in the sample as much, it's just like this weird disjointed rhythm. I think that's like my favorite recording I've gotten so far on this trip. <laughs> okay, and but, I see why. But anyways, I wanted to combine that with something else. Um, so I had another sample of some chants that were going on at the ceremony. Okay. So we could take a listen to that. Then I combined those two samples into one instrument, kind of. Mm -hmm. um, and then I popped it in to see what it would sound like with the Naruan melody. Um, so let's take a listen. Oh, that's the next one. All right. So, <laughs> oh, okay. so we're off to a great start, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it sounds very chipmunky, and I wasn't quite happy with the results, but sometimes you just have to, like, go for it and see where it goes. So... What I did to take the cheesiness off a little bit is added a ton of reverb. So hmm. let's take a listen to that. It still sounds a little chipmunky, but it'll become better as I add more things. Okay. I okay. promise. I'll, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, your other part of your challenge to me was to use that noise sample. Yeah. And I started listening to that over and over again, and started to hear, like, a rhythmic pattern. Yeah, it's based not... Based on the loop. It's not white noise, it's just some noise. Yeah. Okay. So, did, did you, like, plan out beats? No, no, that's that's the that's the noise sample that I that I exported directly from Family Tracker. I oh. didn't uh, I didn't I didn't change it or anything. Okay, well I was hearing this pattern that, well, let's play it and then maybe. Yeah, it's. The, I'm, I'm maybe I'm not just crazy. You did, you no, know, no, I I, I know <laughs> what you mean. There's uh, there's uh, there's like a little like a glitch that you yeah. hear over and over again. Yeah. Yep. So you're right, it's not random. Yeah, but it still sounds, you, you, if you listen really closely, I was hearing this like, dun, 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 
Oh, I didn't hear that. I just but, I just heard the long repetition that duh, uh, duh, duh. That's that's all I'm, I heard. I mean, yeah, you just have to hear it over and over with headphones on. But that's the cool thing about noise. You can kind of like interpret it however you want. Yeah, yeah, because literally everything is in there. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So once I started hearing that, I was like, well, let me see if I can come up with a percussion beat. And while I was at that Hakka Culture Festival, I just happened to find this like drum set that was set up for people to try out. So I tried all the different types of drums and sampled them all. <laughs> um, so of, of course you of did. Course, of yeah. course. So here's what that percussion sounds like. Do you mind if I steal that uh, sample for other stuff? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I, I like that that symbol that's like got a doing. Mm, mm, yeah, it's I, very I don't like know. A, kind of a splashy kind of a sound. Yeah, that seems like the, the thing that gives it the most character out of the, the whole drum set they had. So I had now this, the Naruan melody uh, with these goofy chanting voices and the percussion track and I still wasn't totally satisfied with how it was sounding so I was digging through my samples and I found this recording I did when I visited a temple the other day people were in there chanting at like 10 p.m. on a Saturday night as you do <laughs> yeah and temple culture I don't know maybe you can explain more what's going on there but they had like cookies and bags as sacrifices or some sort of thing yeah yeah to the gods and uh more likely ancestors ancestors yeah okay that's a weird environment but i i really like their chanting though so <laughs> That's with the percussion they had at the temple, too. Hmm. So there's that melody that they're chanting in the temple, and when I combined it with the Narwan melody, they felt really kind of disjointed, like they weren't meant to be together, because the temple melody is clearly minor, and the Narwan melody is clearly major. So my solution was, well... I'm going to make it all major by putting a low bass tone underneath. So I, once again, found a sample that I recorded at the festival of a wind ensemble. And then I pitched it way down and made a loop out of it. That's really cool. That's almost unrecognizable. Yeah. And I have it what I have it doing is looping. But instead of looping over and over, it goes forward, then it goes backwards and oh. forwards and backwards, which is a nice little button you can do in Ableton. And it makes it sound more fluid because it's more like a wave motion then versus like a harsh loop. Mm, yeah. Where you can hear the loop point really easily. So 
there's only one element left that I kind of forgot about till the end, or, or just put on hold yeah, till the end. Yeah, you drew Bach out of a hat. Yes. So, so far nothing was really Bach-like. No, not, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Not even close. No. Uh, but I thought, well, this track could use some more, I don't know, staccato sounds, I think, was what I was thinking. And so I thought, well, Bach used a harpsichord a lot. Okay, yeah. So uh, I was going to add a harpsichord part, and I thought, well, another thing Bach sometimes does is just a long string of eighth notes, or whatever, sixteenth notes. So I came up with a string of them that I thought sounded kind of Bach-like, and I tried to not repeat anything. So the one thing Bach would do that I couldn't really do is um, accidentals and changing keys, modulating in the process because I have this single bass line going. Yeah, you kind of you kind of uh, wrote that option out, didn't you? Yes, I did. But but I tried to do it in a way that still sounded like what Bach might do. Okay. So that's that's it. Now we get to hear. The whole thing. I, I, I can't wait to, to see what <laughs> the, this looks like. Yeah, I don't know if you can picture what, based on these all these separate stems. Right, because you, you, you brought a lot of layers here. Okay, let's, uh, let's find out. I see what you mean. Those extra layers do help uh, cover up some of that weird uh, timbral stuff that you've got in, in those uh, earlier samples. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it's almost like the harpsichord sounds almost like more electronic mm, yeah. in, in context of the rest of the things going yeah, on. Yeah, even a real harpsichord sounds a little, little bit that, that way, yeah. Yeah, so I think that masks the... It, it makes the 
chipmunky voices actually seem more real. Hmm. But yeah, it's it was a cool project because I went from feeling like it was a piece of crap to feeling like, hey, I actually like the end result. So thanks for the challenge. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for uh, thanks for humoring me, and uh, y- you gave us something uh, something interesting to listen to. So thanks for that. Um, where can people find you out in the world? Yeah, so if people go to composerquest.com, that's probably the easiest way. So thanks again, Josh, for letting me stay here and hang out. It's been fun. Awesome. Well, uh, until next time, bye. Josh. Charlie. It's been really fun hanging out with you here in Taiwan. Yeah, it's been great having you here. Yeah, I really appreciate you hosting me and I really appreciate you just like being willing to say, hey Charlie, come out here for, you know, a week. And Otherwise I, I wouldn't have thought to come here to Taiwan on the tour. But in the back of my mind I was like, I wonder if Josh will answer my call for places to stay on the tour. Now you know. Now I know, because yep. I, I had a feeling it would be fun hanging out here. So, Josh, if people want to check out your YouTube channel and stuff. I am Mr. Wilson Presents on YouTube, Tumblr, Facebook, it's MR Wilson Presents. On Twitter, MRW Presents. Uh, so come on over and, uh, and take a look at uh, some, take, take a look at me. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, that wraps up this episode of Composer Quest. Tune in next week for my return to America and California and stuff. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait. Yes. (laughs) 